0: Welcome to North Place Church in Durban, South Africa. Thank you for joining us today. We've been having a conversation as a community called Build to Last recently. We are in a building program with our facility, and and we've been learning about how to properly plan and build this, this building in such a way that we'll be able to not just accomplish our purposes in the city right now, But long into the future, we'll be able to accomplish the things that God has called us to accomplish around the world. We've been using this idea of sound building principles as a backdrop for a conversation about ourselves. We've been reflecting on what the principles are that we can learn from God's word about how we build our lives to accomplish their purpose and leave a lasting legacy and impact. In fact, we've been surveying the life of Moses and some of his experiences to draw from. Moses had a unique assignment from God that certainly wasn't easy. And we can see from Scripture, it it was clear that he didn't always execute his life perfectly. He made some bad decisions sometimes, and he had to deal with some negative consequences. But one of the things that I love so much about Scripture is exactly that. It doesn't treat the people in, in the Bible as if they're fairy tale uh, creatures who get everything right all the time. Instead, uh, Scripture paints a very clear picture for us that, that, that they are not one-dimensional, that they're not perfect, but they're just like us. They're real people who are learning and growing, just like you and I are learning and growing. So as we've been looking at Moses' life and, and surveying his journey, we've learned some principles about how his life was built to leave a legacy which indicated that he obeyed the Lord and was fully used for God's purposes. The first principle that we learned was the community principle. See, God did not call us to carry the load alone. Early in his leadership, Moses tried to bear all the weight himself And as a result, it wasn't going very well. God himself exists in community. He is a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. As much as God exists in community, how much more should we seek out and look for and lean into community as we live our lives? The second principle that we learned from Moses is the trust principle. You see, we gain strength through trusting God. Learning uh, to trust God is a process. I'd tell you that it is a lifelong pursuit, in fact. The enemy of our soul does everything that he can to undermine our relationship with God. He uses the attack of our trust with God as his main tactic. We learn from Moses that we can develop our trust in God In some different ways. Number one, we can take control of our emotions. Secondly, we can adjust our perspective so that we're looking toward the preferred future or the vision that God has given us. And then the last thing that we see about the trust principle is that we must learn to practice active stillness. The third principle, which we learned from Moses last Sunday, is this. Peace is found in healthy rhythm. That was a special message for me. It was really personal because it's an area that I struggle in my life. You know, we were, we were created for work. That's clear from Scripture. But we were also created for rest. In the practicing of that healthy rhythm, we honor God and the covenant we have with Him through Jesus Christ. To make the discipline of Sabbath a reality in my life, I have to plan, prioritize, and prepare. My biggest excuse for not trusting God enough to honor the covenant that I have with him is what I say is the lack of time. I can't tell you how often I say, oh, I just don't have enough time to rest. And yet I have all the time that has ever existed in my lifetime just like you. The question is not, do I have enough time? The question is, have I planned, prioritized, and prepared so that I can be in a healthy rhythm? God has called us to live in healthy rhythm, and he's called us to build lives that last. Well, today we're going to get into the fourth principle of building to last. We're going to talk about the humility principle. Numbers chapter 12 tells us that Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. What is funny about that is that many scholars believe Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Think about it. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Hello, isn't it kind of crazy to think that the author of Numbers writing about himself says that he is the humblest man on the face of the earth? It seems a little bit ironic, Um, to say about yourself that you're the humblest man on the face of the earth. And yet, that's what we read in the book of Numbers. Most uh, scholars tell us that it was probably an addition after Moses died that this was added to Numbers chapter 12. And regardless of whether he wrote it about himself or somebody else wrote it about him, Numbers chapter 12 has a lot to teach us about humility. It's a pretty crazy Uh, episode in Moses' life. But ultimately, it reveals to us how the humility principle works that we can build our lives on to last. Undoubtedly, in this message today, I'm going to say some things that may challenge your belief system because Numbers chapter 12 touches on some complicated and often misunderstood concepts. Let me read a little bit to you as we start into this Uh, Discussion on the humility principle. I want to read Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 to you. It says this Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? They ask. Hasn't Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. As we begin reading Numbers chapter 12, we see, uh, we see that Moses begins to face some opposition, and it came from an unexpected place. See, the first thing I want to establish today about the humility principle is this. The test of humility often comes from unexpected sources. I want to say that again. The test of humility often comes from unexpected sources. In my life and in yours, we both know it to be true. Sometimes the most damaging wounds come from those we love and trust. The deepest hurts come from those we have left ourselves vulnerable to. This is certainly the case with Moses. He is leading the people out of bondage with his older brother and his older sister are at his side. God has called Moses to lead the people, but he's given Moses the help and the aid of his siblings. They have been used by God in multiple ways and in multiple times in this great story of deliverance, but something is going terribly wrong in their relationship. The scripture says that Miriam, again, this is Moses' older sister, and Aaron, his older brother, began to speak against Moses. And it specifically says in verse 1, they are speaking against him because of his Cushite wife. Now, as you read Numbers chapter 12, there are several things that are just unknown. And, and Scripture doesn't clarify a lot of it. As you read scholars and you read commentators, they'll, they'll bring up a lot of issues and questions. But, but the truth is, Scripture is silent about a lot of the details. And as you read Numbers chapter 12, there's some questions that come up. First of all, is this Cushite wife uh, the same Sapporah that we've learned about earlier in Scripture? Um, it's, it's possible that it is. I mean, based on lineage and geography, it's possible that Sapporah could have been considered uh, a, a Cushite. Um, it's also possible that Sapporah has died and Moses has married a, a second wife um, we, we really don't know. Uh, you'll see the, the scholars, they'll argue, they'll say, well, she has to be this or she has to be that. But the truth is, we just, we just don't really know with certainty. However, there are some things that we do know with certainty. What we do know is that Moses is in an interracial marriage with a woman from the ancient great kingdom of Cush. And we know that the ancient kingdom of Cush is what you and I would most likely know as Ethiopia. So to clarify, Moses was married to a black Ethiopian woman. The Bible makes it very, very clear Moses was in an interracial marriage. In fact, from the passage, we can see that Miriam and Aaron uses his interracial marriage as leverage to challenge Moses' authority, and not only does God not agree with them, he severely judges them because of what they have done. I wanted to I wanted to show that to you because throughout church history, there have been those who have wrongly twisted and used scripture to somehow or another say that God is against interracial marriage. And I want to make it very clear. You can see from the earliest days in which God was speaking to his people and using his people, he never condemned interracial marriage. And even from The earliest days of scripture, he was using people to greatly accomplish incredible things that were involved in interracial marriages. See, the second thing that I want you uh, to learn about the humility principle is that the path to humility comes through learning to navigate misdirection. And that's what this actually was. Miriam and Aaron were using misdirection to come after Moses and to challenge his leadership. Imagine your closest confidants, your siblings, who begin to attack you and undermine you. And notice what they did. They presented it as if it was an issue with his wife, when in fact, the problem was that they were jealous of Moses and they were jealous of his role as a leader. They first blamed his wife. They attacked his most intimate relationship. I can almost imagine they were thinking to themselves, maybe we can get Moses all riled up. Maybe we can provoke him to lose his cool. I mean, after all, Moses has been quite a hothead. I mean, if you know the story of Moses, you know that when we we first see him uh, becoming a leader or at least beginning to pursue the path that God has for him, he becomes so angry with what he sees around him that he acts out of his anger and he takes a man's life. Moses has certainly been a person who's battled his anger and here they are going after his most intimate relationship. Perhaps they could get him angry and he would act out in a way that would be beneath his dignity and his identity as one who had been chosen by God. See, the principle of humility in our life, we have to understand, is often challenged from unexpected sources. It comes oftentimes from the people who are closest to us, from those that we trust. And, and oftentimes in those circumstances, in those situations, misdirection is used to throw us off. See, misdirection is a tactic to cause you and I to circle back to battles that we've already won. Just as certainly this attack on, on Moses' most intimate relationship would have provoked anger in him and would have, would have caused him to want to act out in anger, would have caused him to want to go back and fight those battles that He had already won. The enemy uses misdirection to come after you and I and to provoke us as well. See, the truth is it's a trap. You and I have to learn to see things for what they really are. The enemy is going to come after you. He's going to come after me, and he's going to hit us in our soft spots. He will use our kids, our spouse. He will use things like our reputation that we've spent a lifetime building. He'll do whatever he can to remind us of our failures and our mistakes. He'll do whatever he can to destabilize you, to cause you and I to become emotional and distraught. He'll do whatever he can to remind us of who we used to be. See, if he can provoke a response from you, if he can get you to act out of your need or my need for self-protection, bam, what he does is he provokes pride in us. And once pride rises up inside of us, what do we do? We start to use the pathway of pride as a way to live out our dignity rather than what God has called us to, rather than the path of humility. See, it doesn't take long into reading Numbers chapter 12 to see that Miriam and Aaron's true motives were not that they were upset about Moses' marriage. Instead. Their true motives came shining through. It wasn't about the interracial marriage. It was that they didn't like that he was the leader and they were not. They didn't like the attention that he got. They didn't like the privilege that he had. They wanted to be equal with Moses. They said, doesn't God speak to us in the same way that he speaks through Moses? You see, misdirection was used because here's the truth. Broken people reflect the broken nature of Lucifer. And Lucifer believes the only way to elevate himself is to tear others down. Think about that for a moment. Truth is, friend, that's the pattern that many of us fall into. We think the only way to elevate ourselves, the only way to have dignity, the only way to be who we're meant to be, is if we tear somebody else down. You see, you can always see when you're dealing with a broken person who's losing the battle of pride because their pattern is to inauthentically use comparison as a way of self-justification and elevation. Let me say that again because it's important that we get it. A broken person, a person who's losing the battle of pride, uses comparison as a way of self-justification and elevation. We see this in the life and ministry of Jesus. Jesus called the Pharisees children of Satan because they believed, like Satan, that as they compared themselves to others and tore others down, they looked better. They use their religion and their religious practices as a way to push others down and to elevate themselves. When we behave that way, we're reflecting the broken nature of our enemy. See, humility means to not fall into the pit of comparison, gossip, and insulting others. Let me say that again. I I know that I'm repeating myself, but these are powerful points that we must get. Humility means to not fall into the pit of comparison, gossip, and insulting others. When I inauthentically compare myself to somebody else because I'm trying to elevate myself. When I gossip about others and I make issues of things in their life that are really not true. When I exaggerate things going on in their life or I twist God's word to shine a light of condemnation on somebody else, when I insult others and tear them down to build myself up, I'm not following in the path of God. I'm not following in the path of Jesus. Instead, I'm acting like the enemy. You see, as you read the rest of chapter 12, it's so fascinating. Moses didn't defend himself. He doesn't defend his marriage and he doesn't defend his role as the leader. As I mentioned earlier, Moses was not a perfect man and this story plays right into some of his weaknesses. I can't tell you how many times the enemy has come after me in my weak spots. It's embarrassing to think about how many times I've lost my temper. How many times I've betrayed the dignity of who God has created me to be. I've betrayed the storyline that God is creating in my life. I can't I can't even admit or think about all the times I have betrayed the legacy of the life that that God is building into my story that he is writing. But when you look at how Moses responded, you see something powerful. He didn't defend himself. Like Christ, when he was falsely accused, he didn't defend himself. Jesus, when he was sentenced to a cross, what did he do? He remained silent and he allowed God to speak for him. And Not only did God validate Christ, not only did he take care of those who were opposing him, he took care of those who were opposing Moses also. Scripture says that Miriam became leprous and and Aaron, who was challenging Moses' authority, began to ask him for help. I love how Moses responded because it teaches me how to grow in humility. You see, we demonstrate humility when we respond with grace and compassion towards those who have hurt us. I don't know about you, but that's hard for me. Scripture teaches us, um, in fact, Jesus taught us to love our enemies. He told us to treat those who oppose us with mercy and grace. And the reason that We need to do that. The reason that we can do that is because we ourselves are objects of God's mercy and grace. I don't know about you, but on the one hand, humility can be hard. It's hard because I want to defend myself. I want to defend others. I I want to defend my life. I want to defend my dignity and my legacy. But on the other hand, humility can become easier over time as I begin to grasp the fact that I am an object of mercy, that I am an object of grace, that I exist and that I am who I am where I am because of what God has done in my life. You see, you are where you are because God has demonstrated his love and his mercy towards you. It becomes easier to demonstrate humility as we really know who we are. What Moses teaches us in Numbers chapter 12 is that we can build to last. We can build a legacy like the humblest man in the earth. We can build a legacy that writes the story that God has said true about you and me if we learn to walk in humility. But how does that happen? How does that grow? How does that develop in our life? Well, number one, Numbers Chapter 12 teaches us that we have to guard our heart when hurt comes from unexpected sources. It will come. Unexpected sources will hurt you. But when it comes, friend, guard your heart. Don't allow it to write something on your heart that's not true. Number two, we have to learn to navigate misdirection. You and I have to see things for what they really are. I want to encourage you today, learn to pray for discernment. See, the way the enemy comes at us, the things that are attacked, the things that are said about us, the things that become unstable and questionable aren't always what it's really all about. We need the Holy Spirit to help us with discernment so that we can learn to navigate misdirection. And then number three, we have to refuse to fight battles that we've already won. When God has taken you through seasons of your life and you've overcome things, don't go back and fight that battle again. When the enemy tries to bait you into questioning things and doing things that you already have victory over, refuse to go back to that place. Number four, we have to never tear down others to elevate ourselves. Let me say that again. We have to never tear down others to elevate ourselves. Not only is that the way of the enemy, it's exactly the opposite of the way of Jesus. Number five, we have to avoid comparison, gossip, and insulting others. And then ultimately, number six, we have to learn to respond with grace and mercy, while we allow God to fight our battles. We allow God to validate us. We allow God, just as he said of Jesus, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. We allow God to say, that's Randy. I love him and I've chosen him. And because I've chosen him, no matter what you say, Miriam, no matter what you say, Aaron, no matter what you do, my hand is upon him. See, the same truth in Moses' life and in Christ's life is true about you and me, friend. God has chosen us in Christ Jesus and what God has chosen, no man can undo. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that the Lord would help you and I to grow in the humility principle so our lives can be built to last. Father, I thank you so much for each one of my friends who are watching today. I thank you for those who are listening to this message. God, we can learn from Moses that we don't have to take the bait of the enemy. We don't have to fall into the trap of fighting battles that we've already won. That even when challenge comes from unexpected places and those who are closest to us act out and hurt us, that, Lord, we don't have to fall into the cycle of revenge and the cycle of lashing out in the cycle of falling into the pattern of the enemy. But instead, Lord, we can maintain our peace and our joy. We can walk in mercy and grace because we are objects of mercy and grace. Lord, I pray that you teach us through the Holy Spirit, through the gift of discernment, to see things for what they really are, to not fall into the patterns of the enemy and to reflect his nature and character. But instead, Lord, May we walk in grace and peace. I pray for those who perhaps are listening or watching today who do not know you. I pray, God, that you would call them to yourself, that their lives also would be built to last, that, God, their lives would be ones that are drawn into your kingdom, Lord, and that you, through your Spirit, would lead them into righteousness through Christ Jesus. Lord, I ask you for everyone who's watching today. May your grace be upon us. May we walk in peace. and May we always reflect your, na- your character and your nature. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you, friend. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord.